Welcome to Engineering Fields of Dreams podcast. We're here to share stories and professional experiences of engineers across disciplines and let you explore the amazing world of engineering. Each episode, you'll hear inspiring stories and advice from engineers, allowing you to learn from their successes and experiences. Whether you're an engineering student, a veteran engineer, or just curious about engineering, we invite you to join us and explore the amazing and ever-changing world of engineering. Welcome to this episode, Runways of Success, with our guest, William. Thank you for being here today. Would you please introduce yourself? My name is William Vale. I graduated from the U of A in 2020, or right after COVID started. I've been with Granite Construction ever since, and then even a little bit before that, so total about four years with Granite. I'm currently a project manager. I focus on aviation, civil construction. So think runways, taxiways, support systems for airports rather than airport terminals or something like that. Currently, I'm supporting the ACE program at the Tucson airport, which is airfield safety enhancements. Um, uh, the big piece of that is the reducing potential conflict zones on the airfield by adding a second full length runway, which will not only make the airfield safer, but make it much more efficient in terms of commercial operations by having multi-runway configurations opened up to the uh, common carriers. Well, that sounds very exciting. Why did you choose this career? So I think kind of that whole commercial runway thing ties in really well to this. I think civil engineering in particular, you have the opportunity to make a really lasting impact on the communities in which we live. A lot of other fields of engineering, the things that they build are relatively transient, you know, software or cars or cell phones, things like that. They phase out relatively quickly. But you know, the big civil works that civil engineers get to work on, they last a long time. They're around for generations to come. Even if the finishes aren't the same, a lot of time the actual structure is. Um, so I'm working on something here at the Tucson airport that potentially my kids or my grandkids are going to benefit from. And I think that's a really exciting thing about what we do. For sure. And I think working on something where you actually see it in the field. I built that structure. I worked on that can have a lot more of a sense of accomplishment compared to some of those transient type engineering projects that you referenced earlier. Yeah. I remember as a kid going around with my dad, he was a civil engineer, also graduated from the U of A about 40 years before I did. He was in 78. And just, he would be able to point at things around Tucson that he had a hand in putting there. And I always thought that was really cool. And as someone who has a son, I think it one day would be exciting to be able to do that same thing with him. What is one thing that you know now that you wish you knew before you graduated? So one thing that I find to be way more important in the day-to-day of my job than I anticipated before I graduated was the soft skills how to write well, how to negotiate with people, how to get your point across to an audience that might not understand the technical nature behind it. Because a lot of times our clients and stuff, technical in nature, they're people who specialize in procurement or they specialize in management of large projects, but they don't necessarily specialize in sinful engineering or the electrical engineering behind what we're building. And so they don't necessarily understand it. And so what we might see as an issue that's plain as day uh, is much more muddled to them. 
So making sure you can get your point across and state your position and then hopefully win them over to your side is a big piece of it. I think that doesn't get enough credit all the time in school. So I assume you find yourself in your normal day-to-day giving a lot of presentations as well as preparing written reports and documents. Less presentations, although I guess I just went through a training with uh, with our corporate communications guys, and it was, you have to look at it like every meeting you're in front of the owner is in the sense of a small presentation. You might not prepare for it like you would with a slide deck. It's your FaceTime with the client that dictates a lot of our business and it needs to be somewhat polished and professional. But yeah, there's a lot of written reports for civil engineering is relatively lagging behind in the world. So a lot of stuff is still done. The letters are sent via email, but there's a lot of formal letters written, a lot of memos of understanding and things like that need to be clear because if there's a disagreement two or three years from now, that sort of written correspondence is what we go back to to help settle those debates. Speaking of a debate like that, has there been challenging professional situations so far in your career? And what have you learned from them? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things that someone in construction engineering deals with is specification compliance. And this is one where you learn really fast that being right isn't always um, you know, the right answer. A lot of times we do material testing, we do different sorts of inspections and tests on things that as contractors we install, but ultimately having the owner on your side and having their confidence is sometimes more important than being technically right by the specification book. So there's a situation we're dealing with right now with the FAA, the Tucson airport. And there was a fiber optic cable that was installed. And in one of the handholes, there's a potential that there was some bending force applied to it that might cause damage 10 or 20 years down the line if that fiber deteriorates. And it it runs a fairly important facility for the FAA. It runs one of their communication towers. And so we're currently in the debate right now of should it be removed and replaced? And obviously, as the contractor, we have a financial stake in ensuring it remains in. And the FAA is a federal entity. They're concerned more with what is the worst case possible scenario in terms of threat to the traveling public. There wouldn't really be any true safety issue if this cable went out. You know, aviation systems are really redundant. So there's no real danger from this thing being damaged, but there would be a potential downtime on the main radio relay. They'd have to run on backups for a while where it was replaced, and then they wouldn't have that redundancy. That is the key of aviation safety. We're in this debate right now about whether or not it should be removed and replaced. On our side, we have some testing that says, okay, this really isn't an issue. We can do some additional testing and further vet these things where the FAA is just saying, no, we we don't want to have that potential risk on our airfield. And so it comes down to this is maybe a $50,000 debate on a $30 million project. And is our relationship with the client worth straining over this particular, we can be right, but are we going to lose the war for winning the battle per se? Mm. I think it's an important piece of, of especially when you get into project management and above of, are we going to lose more potential upside in the future by taking our small wins now and managing that client relationship. Yeah. And I think client relationships are so important because your future business, your future opportunities are really looped into them. 
And it's important that you're meeting their needs and expectations. But you also, as you said, have to balance the needs of, of your business as well. Yeah. And as the industry skews more towards best value qualifications-based work and away from traditional hard bid methods, being known as the contractor that's challenging to work with and that doesn't leave a product behind that people are happy with, but they have to accept legally, isn't really a effective strategy for winning work, but a big piece of it as well. As the owners have skewed that way, they've kind of put a couple extra part, cards in their pocket. But ultimately, as a taxpayer, we're looking at that value in our projects. And if certain contractors are more challenging to work with, maybe they aren't delivering the best value. And it's a benefit to the public there. So as a relatively recent graduate, is there any advice that you would impart to someone just starting their career? Yeah, whatever field of civil engineering you end up with, I really try to spend time while you're a recent graduate and it's more acceptable with the people who actually do the work that you know, you're hoping to one day do or that you're hoping to one day oversee. When I graduated, I spent a lot of time with our craft employees, so that the actual operators running the equipment, the surveyors staking out work and the superintendents overseeing them, more so than maybe some of the other people I graduated with did. And I think it was a real benefit because not only do I have some of the office skills that they do and they've picked up over their career, but I understand the work a lot better. And it's really just from spending time and asking questions with the actual people who are doing it, who can explain to you the ins and outs rather than just the theory behind it. And I think that applies in the technical world too. If you end up as a design engineer, the drafters and the guys running the calc are really important to, to get to know because they'll tell you maybe something isn't going to work before you might see it. I think asking questions is a very important thing at all stages of one's career. But I think there's a special window of opportunity, as you shared in the beginning, to actually be able to ask questions because you're the new guy. So it's kind of accepted to ask questions. Um, but in theory, you can and should always ask questions throughout your career and have that curiosity. I think there's that window, especially at the beginning, where it's maybe more expected. I say, yeah, and as someone who now has direct reports who are recent, even more recent graduates than I, I kind of see there's two camps that they fall into. And the one is they want to spend a lot of time asking questions and learning. And the other is they think it might be a, just to be seen asking a lot of questions, like that we're going to think they don't know what they're doing. Um, and that those guys tend to know a little bit and they get that done, but then they hit a brick wall and they kind of spin their wheels a little bit when there's really no shame in asking. So it's kind of getting over your own mental block of if I ask too many questions, I'm going to be looked down upon. So have you offered any particular mentoring advice to those who are hesitant to ask questions? How have you tried to coach them and encourage them to get past that mental block? Yeah, it sounds kind of crass in a professional setting, but at some point, I just, there's this one guy who I just sat down and it was kind of like, you're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. No one's going to be upset about it if you're upfront with it. And it's going to happen. And ultimately, it's going to cost, granted, as a company, money. But that's okay. We expect that. If you're always trying to make someone else make the decisions, or if you're always trying to not ask a question, like your overall value to the company is never going to grow. And you're kind of just going to stagnate. So it's just getting over that 
block in what you think the expectations are and trying to actually you know meet with people and figure out what your expectations are they want you to complete a task i'll give someone a task and i'd rather have them take some initiative and do it wrong than just not do anything at all because that's just how people learn and a lot of just by doing stuff and the first time you do something is never going to be perfect so you might as well try two or three times i think that's very sage advice and it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast today and thank you so much for your time Thank you. We'd like to thank today's guests for sharing their professional experience and career advice. We appreciate their insight and taking the time to share them with our audience. To you, the listener, thank you for joining us on this journey and exploring the ever-evolving world of engineering. We hope we've inspired you to pursue your dreams and ambitions. Let us know if there are topics or fields you'd like to hear more about. Until next time, we wish you the best of luck on your engineering journey.